I think what I what I thought back then was I need to do a lot. I need to, yeah, I need to do in order to be loved. And that I think is fundamentally wrong. Welcome to Long Live Podcast. I'm your host, Asa Trichikoskaita. I'm here to remind you the power of your mind and that you are the creator of your life and your story. We'll talk about all things mind, body and soul and the connection between our inner dialogue, our thoughts and how it affects our bodies. I'll share my best advice, lessons and mindset shifts so you could stop overthinking and find peace of mind. In today's conversation, I'm talking with Christian Fleck. He's a mindfulness coach. He helps his clients to expand their self-awareness and really make the mind the servant of their heart. So he really helps you to connect to your heart more and to be more observant and have this helicopter view, as he describes, of your life. So I jump right into his story and he shares openly about his failures and there's so much information and um, easy to apply tools that he shares that you can start using today. So I hope that you will really enjoy this conversation and let's go into it. Hello, Christian. Good morning. Hello. How mindful has been your day today, your morning? My morning? Yeah. I would say on a scale from zero to 10. So zero is not mindful at all. And 10 is the most mindful you can be. I would say it was a seven today. That's great. Yeah. How did it look like? Well, I got up. I don't have my um, digital alarm that's about to uh, be delivered from Amazon yet. So I still use my phone as a uh, uh, as an alarm. So I grabbed my phone. I did press on snooze for 10 minutes. <laughs> um, and then I was about to, you know, check, check social media, but I didn't in that moment, which is brings me up on the mindful morning scale, I guess. Yeah, and then I had a, a nice chat with my partner, I had a glass of water, I had an espresso. I got a very, very strong moment of inspiration where I then started to write my LinkedIn post for this morning because I don't plan this. I don't have a content plan or something. I just write whenever I feel I want to. And then the time flew by and it's already 10 a.m. here in Vienna and we are chatting. I'm excited and really, really, really looking forward to the convo, Aisbe. Yeah, me too. I'm really glad. To... How are you? Oh, I'm good. Uh, if I would need to answer the same question, I would say that my morning, I, I was trying to make it mindful, but instead my mind was more like just full. Yeah. A big day today and I did my morning routine and I was exercising and I can really tell from my breath when I'm doing the breathing exercises mm. that I'm not breathing as fully as I can yeah. because I just like have so much going on my mind mm. Mm. then it takes like longer to to make that shift I can relate a lot for example yeah. for example this morning I skipped my my morning meditation which is quite a quite a 
time-consuming routine. I find it very, very much worth it, but it almost takes one hour. So as I was a bit, uh, how can I say, my Sunday, my Sunday evening was quite long, not in the sense of partying too much, but I was awake until almost one in the morning. So I got myself some hours of sleep and then I, I realized that, okay, if you're doing all these things, you either get up very early or you do your uh, meditation practice afterwards. So when I say skip, I don't say skip for the sake of like literally skipping, rather postponing. But yeah, I do feel, I do feel a difference. Uh, it makes a big difference if I do the practice before or if I do it afterwards. Yeah. One hour meditation is, it is quite a lot. When have you started doing one hour meditations? Uh, I started doing the, um, so literally it's not one hour. So all together <laughs> is approximately 40, 45 to 50 minutes. It depends really. Mm, I started doing this when after, after I returned from my first Vipassana meditation retreat, which happened in October 2020, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it was October 2020. So there I spent 15 days in silence uh, together with a bunch of other people and my meditation teacher in a beautiful mountain mountain retreat location in Austria in the very west yeah and afterwards I I was prepared to to do this and and I kept the routine since then yeah when did your uh, journey to the mindfulness started was it with the vipassana or have you been already on on the journey when you took it I was on the journey before so it actually started at my so far biggest low in life, which was, I'm so bad with numbers and years, but I, I think it was 218. <laughs> I don't know if you can relate. I'm like, I don't, I don't you know, I don't want to lie to you. Um, but I think it was, I think it was 218. When you can, I, just, you can just say it was past in time. It's okay. It was, yeah. <laughs> we don't we need at, the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> at one moment, at one moment, past in time. Um, where I faced uh, my my biggest personal and also business business low. So my business partner and co-founder, we decided to not continue our sustainable sports brand anymore. So we decided to consciously you can and now you can insert whatever you want, uh, fail or let it be or not continue or stop. So essentially, we didn't we didn't continue um, building the sports brand. It was very 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 early stage, and we we worked on it for almost two years. So that happened. Um, I was also running out of money, and at the same time, I was uh, about to break up with my with my uh, now ex girlfriend, where I saw sides of myself that I didn't really knew they were they were there before so it was a huge uh, a huge teacher now looking back of course it's a bit easier and in these times i actually um, didn't really know what to do so after some time of freeze mode i decided to get some help so i worked together with a coach and i remember the first time when i met him i asked him that my mom would always tell me 
you know, Christian, you'll be all right. You just listen to your heart or you listen to your gut, listen to your intuition. You'll be okay. And I said to my mom, mom, that's a beautiful piece of advice, but I don't know how this works. I feel like I'm in my head all the time. And I really don't know what this thingy called heart or gut or intuition, what it says. So I, I, I can't access it. And with that, um, with that situation, I, I talked to the coach and he told me that, you know what you can do? Have a look at mindfulness. Have a look at mindfulness meditation. I think this could be something for you. And honestly speaking, I, swear, I was just desperate. Um, I didn't know what to do. So I said to myself, okay, you try it. And if it doesn't work, kind of, um, you know that it was something that didn't work. So I approached meditation with a very pessimistic um, uh, pessimistic attitude because I didn't really believe it would support me. It was just something that was, you know, someone, an authority figure, which was that coach, told me to do it, that it might be a good idea. Gladly, um, by nature, I'm very, very, very curious. So I, I was a bit curious what this is. At the same time, back then, I was very judgmental. So I was, I couldn't imagine, you know, sitting on a pillow and doing nothing and just thinking about thinking. That was my, my idea of what meditation is. But as I said, as I was so, mm, so desperate, I gave it a try. And then something incredible happened. I remember it was a warm summer day in Vienna. I was at my parents' place and I said, okay, now you try to do it. So I downloaded the Headspace meditation app and I did the very, very first meditation for, I think it lasts like 10 minutes. I do this, I have no idea what I was doing, but uh, after, my, after the first round of crying and just being overwhelmed, I realized that or I felt that almost felt like a very, very strong, invincible, invincible power or an invincible hand holding my back and somehow lifting me up. And in that moment, I felt so strong that I was like, whoa, this is crazy because I'm literally not doing anything. Nothing's changing, but I, so nothing's changing outside. But I felt in that moment that everything was literally, and I'm not exaggerating, that was my, my tipping point, I guess, uh, that everything started to change from the inside. And then I saw changes in the outside. So that was now the little, a uh, little bit longer explanation of how I started. Yeah. That's a very beautiful explanation. I thank you for the story. And as you said that you started the changes, the, when you were at your lowest point mm -hmm. and it seemed that like everything was going wrong, right? It seems like we all need that push. We all need that pain to like make changes. And as you said, you were skeptical. And otherwise, if you were feeling like pretty okay and somebody suggested you, oh, maybe you want to try meditation, you probably would just like turn that offer down because mm -hmm. like, ah, you know, like I have other things to do and in the desperate mode yeah. yeah but how you like the way you experienced it i think it's it's so deep 
just like trying it for the first time yeah. and going so fully into it. I want to make a, a remark on that because I do agree that in my case, yes, I hit a very, very, say a very high low. And then I started to change. Yet I strongly believe that it doesn't have to be that way. And I think it depends on certain circumstances. So when I look in my environment and in my world, I just thought how I was, you know, operating and running and living, that this is normal. I thought that this is the way how, you know, life is. And I didn't really have people in my very close environment that has changed a lot recently, but I didn't have people in my environment that were showing me a different way of living. And I'm not about, I'm not talking about some woo woo. I'm not, uh, I'm not naive, but I'm, I'm not talking about a woo woo way of living, but I'm talking about other ways of how you can, how you can approach life and what is, what is possible. So I think if, if someone is surrounded by people who, you know, meditate, doesn't necessarily have to be all about meditation, but who are doing, doing things to increase the levels, the levels of awareness can be various things really i think that then one might be or one one might become really curious so hey how do how do i how do this person how do this person do it like how how is that possible and then it's not so much about so my motivation was always away from my main motivation was okay i want to go away from the pain that was my desire so i didn't i couldn't handle the pain so i said hey I need to find something to to make to cure that somehow, and um, this is always, if you ask me personally, this is always connected with a with an energy of how I would describe it as heaviness. There is when we talk when we think about pain, there is almost we don't smile. It's something negative. It's something we don't really want and like. But when we talk about things that make us curious, when we talk about things that we want to explore or to discover, then, and I don't know about you, how, how you feel when you're, when you're listening to it, but just me saying the word explore or discover or being curious, it immediately lifts me up. So then I'm much more walking towards something rather than walking away from something, if that makes sense. Yeah, when you say pain, I always see the distinction between pain and suffering. Mm. Yeah, because I think like pain, like it exists, it just is in the world. But whether I choose to suffer is my own like decision. Mm. And I really, I really want you to describe to be very precise when you said that I was living. And I thought that it was a normal life to me because everyone was living the same way. Could you describe, yeah. like, what was that normal? Yeah, so I thought it's normal that you get up and you have to do a lot of things. And you have to achieve a lot of things. You have to do, you know, tick all the boxes on your to-do list that, it, that it's a great day. And deep down, I always felt that it's not right. There was something in me that said, does it really make sense to operate at that high speed? But for some reason, I also liked it. 
because I was able to achieve a lot and I was able to accomplish and to do these things. And then I got the recognition from the outside, of course, because, oh, wow, you're doing this. Oh, wow, you're doing this. Oh, wow, you, you quit at a very, very famous company. Wow, that's, that's courageous. Wow. Oh, wow, you're building your sports brand. This is this was where all these things were. I thought that we need to we need to do this in order to be. I think, honestly speaking, in order to be loved. I think what I what I thought back then was I need to do a lot. I need to, yeah, I need to do in order to be loved, and that I think is fundamentally wrong. Yeah, but it, I think it is so true. We believe that we need to be somebody, something, do something for others in order to be loved. Yeah, we have this idea that we probably get when we are growing up that we have to be somebody else mm. or do something to be loved. And most of the people are doing something. As you said, like you really looked at the core that you were doing it not because of the achievements or everything that looked super great externally, mm. but just to, in order to feel loved, which was your main driver. Mm. I think so. I think so, really. You said that when you started doing uh, the meditation and you saw the changes inside of yourself, mm. you started noticing things change externally as well. Yeah. What changes did you see? What happened? First of all, what I what I saw inside was that I felt much more much more calm. I think that's that describes it best. So even though I was still quite indecisive of what what is the next step, career and business wise, I just broke up with my partner. I didn't really know where to live and what to do. Even though I felt a sense of stability and a sense of a sense of calm. And the way I, how I describe it is that I remembered that even though the sky was very cloudy and it was not only cloudy, but full of thunderstorm, I remembered that behind the sky is always the sun somehow, which is just always there. Let's say, I mean, some say the sun, the sun will disappear one day, but uh, for now, I think the metaphor, uh, the metaphor is this. And in, on the outside, I just realized that I've, I started to fight much less uh, with my dad, for example. That was a very, very strong and significant realization because we've been, we've been fighting and arguing for, for many, many, many years. And I just realized that I was able to accept him much, uh, him way more. And I think... Not only I think, but I know it's because I accepted myself way more. So in other words, I saw the huge shift in my personal relationships. I was, I, I became aware of how strongly I was, uh, I was judging people a lot. And by judging others, we're judging, we're actually judging ourselves, which then trace, uh, traces back to how, to what extent do I actually accept myself and to what extent am I, am I okay with, this, with uh, the way things are in the moment? And uh, honestly speaking, I was resisting that a lot. 
And I think many people can relate to that because being in this human body, it sometimes things happen that we don't necessarily like or enjoy. And uh, my intuitive impulse is to, to reject it and to fight it, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think nobody wants to accept some external circumstances that they don't like. And it's very easy to get into the loop of thinking that, oh, it shouldn't be that way, it should be yeah. that way. And then you're just like stuck and always struggling and thinking that life shouldn't be the way it is. And mm. it just is, right? Yeah. And it is no matter, <laughs> no matter if we like it or not. So I remember my meditation teacher always say, you know, Christian, it is what it is. And I had such a hard time in the beginning to accept that. But when you think of it, that it's it's really like that. The things happen because they happen. Otherwise, they wouldn't happen. So if something happened already, what to do? That's, and, and when I say what to do, I don't mean that we should ignore it or not learn from what we've experienced. Actually, it's quite the opposite. But I can look at the things with a friendly and warm attitude towards myself and also towards the, the people involved. Or I can look at the things, the same exact thing, with a very judgmental mind saying, hey, why did you do this? You shouldn't have done it like this. Why are you so stupid? Blah, 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 blah. Um, I think I'm, I definitely am very much aware of that self-talk that just keeps coming again and again and again. And the more I try to fight it, the more it comes back. It almost feels like a boomerang. So to me, the way how I approach it is I try not to fight the self-talk anymore. Um, and I, I don't remember when I came across this, but there was an idea that really, that really hit me um, or that really touched me deeply, which was that I think someone asked me, how do I treat the self-talk and how do I treat my fears and, you know, the doubt and everything that comes up that is actually causing a lot of the, a lot of the suffering if we allow to be entangled with it. And then the question was, how is your relationship to that? And I, honestly speaking, most of the time I would uh, treat treat the self-talk like an enemy. And there I got offered the idea to treat the self-talk like a sibling. So I have two younger brothers. And uh, when I started to treat the self-talk, the negative self-talk, like my siblings, that immediately brought the sense of acceptance and the sense of ease. Yeah, that, that was something that, uh, that created a huge shift in, in mindset. That's a beautiful way of describing the self-talk. I have never heard of this. And when you said that your mom was always saying you just listen to your heart mm. and it will, all will be okay and you just didn't know how to do it and you unlocked it through the meditation. And I like what you have written on your page that make mind the servant of the heart. Mm. And that the mind is the bridge between the body and the spirit. So I think you finally found that connection. And was it like this journey, that's how you 
became a coach and started teaching other people about mindfulness and about awareness practices and how important it is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when I discovered the power of the power of, of mindfulness and when I discovered that it's something very strong and very deep and very powerful, very, very, very powerful. Then I immediately felt the, the impulse to share this with the world. And that was with a sense of everyone has to do this, right? So I still, I was a bit leaving the old pattern, which was I need to save the world. And obviously that doesn't work because I strongly believe that we don't need to save the world. We just need to save ourselves and look after ourselves. So the more I then turned inwards and just focused on my own practice, and this is of course way uh, far away from perfect. I mean, even if you talk to very, 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 very say accomplished meditation practitioners, the very grounded and rooted ones, they will tell you they are still beginners. So I don't, I'm not saying this with a sense of I have this figured out, but I do say it with a sense that with a sense of this is really powerful stuff. And if you want to learn it, you can learn it. And um, with that energy, I started to, I don't even know how, how it really started. I think someone told me, hey, you, you, could be, you could be good at coaching. And I said, okay, good, let's try. <laughs> um, and apparently that's something I've, I've always done um, in, in my entire life, but I wasn't really aware of it. So this kind of, this naturally happened. And now if you ask me, this is of course, uh, it's an assumption, but if you ask me that shift in awareness or that raise in awareness was definitely necessary to see more clearly um, what I'm good at, what I like, what I truly like, uh, to see the core of the personality more clearly. And the funny thing is, as I'm saying this, I'm realizing that I feel I just scratched the surface of what you can dis uh, what you can discover and what is possible. I think it is like that as you're describing with like many discoveries. You go on the voyage, you go on a journey, and it seems that you reached another shore, you passed the sea, but then you know that there's like an entire world waiting and mm -hmm. like the same thing here the more I learn, the more I see that I don't know. And I think it's a nice place to be in uh, if you're in a position of I don't know. I find it's really nice to know. It's really nice not to know. Yeah, and I think, as you said, that it's really nice to be an explorer and to keep an open mind and to know that there's always something new to learn. And I loved uh, having... Uh, I had a previous podcast... Um, with a guest and I loved when she said that, you know, I'm not the same person because we have been speaking for like a couple of minutes and I already expanded and we mm. not even changed the ideas, but the energy and so on. I was like, yeah, I feel that too. That like, if you, if I'm open and I'm receptive, I'm able to explore and learn with each interaction that I get. Mm. That's beautiful. And when you just said it, what immediately came up was, this I, I've noticed myself nodding 
because I've I've realized that whenever I'm a little excited and a little nervous, I tend to interrupt people a bit more. I, I even said it in the very beginning of our recording, and I just did it one minute ago or so. And just that realization um, is so powerful when we don't you know, expect too much or when we don't try to plan everything, when we just take whatever the present moment offers us, it's, it's really expensive. Yeah. It also seemed that your mom had the answer all, all along the way for you when she said, just listen to your heart, just listen to your spirit. And that's exactly what you're teaching others to do now but you just couldn't like grasp on it. So mm. how do you think we can be learning about the same things from different teachers? And how do you think it landed for you? Like why the meditation resonated with you? And how did your childhood look like? Because you said that you were really good at coaching since you were little. Mm. So the first question, I can answer very, very briefly, because I think the answer is simple. It is discovering the power of silence. So I think it landed for me because meditation was the counter, say the counter action or the, the other counter pole to what I was living before. Because before I was, in, in simple terms, I was restless and running. And then in meditation, you, you don't literally stop to be restless, but you stop running. When you just sit, close your eyes, and when you let it be, when you just start activating the helicopter view, when you start activating your observer muscle. And that was why, why I think it landed for me so much, because you just need to do I just invite people to do the exercise. If you, especially if you feel stressed, then take your phone, take a timer, five minutes, activate the timer, sit and just close your eyes and see, see what's going on. And I personally got so many realizations or, or insights through going into silence which is why I think it has it landed with me so so well because I all of a sudden realized whoa okay there is something else and this sense of there is something else made me incredibly curious and uh, regarding childhood so I was always more of an introvert introvert kid mm, not having a lot of friends being very very sensitive to environment. I remember, I remember I was always, always a bit afraid of crowds, even though I loved crowds. So <laughs> there was always this curiosity paired with, uh, with fear. And I would just go around and observe things. So I was really good at, um, I was, I was really good at observing. And after, I think after the teenage times, I realized that that power of observing is connected a lot to listening. So when I kind of manage my excitement, when I don't mm, interrupt people and talk more than, than they do, 
I really like listening to people. And through listening, I understand that we or I can, can see people deeply. And I think that kind of is the bridge to, um, to why I started, why I started coaching. Because I always love to listen to people, to listen to their stories. And uh, by asking questions, naturally, I then got the feedback that, oh, wow, that was a really insightful or powerful conversation. And to me, it was just a normal conversation. And this is how, I, how I've noticed that there is something that I could, something that I could do that I enjoy that is of huge benefit to me because I just love listening to people. And that is also of benefit to others. I really want to circle back on the silence a little bit more uh, because I know that you said that when you meditated and when you just, even when you did the practice where you allowed it yourself to be aware of what's going on and observe and be in the silence. Mm. I know that a lot of people really struggle with this because yeah. as you said, when you're like really, really in the running and you just stop, you are unable to be in the silence. It seems that it's like, someone is kind of dragging you out of this or mm. your mind is so full that there is no silence. What do you do then? What would you recommend? You just stand still for a moment. <laughs> 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 I, I recommend I recommend to do the same because I, I think the root cause is not that we are not able to, to sit, sit or stand still and listen. The root yeah. cause is that we have this expectation how things should be. The root mm. cause is that we... We, we, we think or we have the assumption that we are not supposed to have the negative thoughts or that we are not supposed to, um, to have that overthinking or, the, or that we are very unhappy with, with the idea that we are overwhelmed. And it's this relationship with the overwhelm, for example, or with the self-doubt, the, the inability to just see it clearly or in another deeper level, the not trusting yourself that you can be the container for all of this. Mm, I think this is one of the reasons why so many people struggle with it. Because actually everyone can sit still for five minutes and look what's going on. We are just not trained to do it. I agree. And I also want to say people that there's nothing like, you know, somebody tells me that, oh, it's so easy to do with, like, with you when you're guiding me. And I'm I'm just unable to do it myself. And I'm like, yeah, but like everything that you learned, it took practice. It didn't just like land it to you. Yeah. Like whatever skill that you have, it took time for you to learn. And now it's time if you want to, to learn another new skill. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think sometimes... Um, I think I'm going back to the same thing that sometimes we just don't want to accept the way things are. And as you said it, that our body is like a container for everything and we are allowed it to feel everything. But so oftenly we try to just like push some feelings away from us because we are not very, we don't feel desire to feel them, even though... Mm -hmm everything is welcomed yeah it's quite it's it's quite disrespectful towards ourselves actually if we only want the positive 
because the positive wouldn't be anything without the negative. And when we look at the word, I've contemplated on this a couple of couple of months ago, and I had, I had an epiphany. I don't know if it's one for you as well. But my epiphany was that so many people, including myself, are longing for meaning. We want to, we want to find meaning in whatever we do. And we have this idea that this, this meaning is somewhere outside, that this, that this meaning is on a, say on a time, on a time scale is somewhere in the future. So where I am right now is not meaningful. In the moment I don't have, I don't have meaning and in the future I might have meaning. I think this is an assumption that many people mm, live, live day by day or hour by hour. And it really hit me when I looked at the word meaning, because in meaning, there is the mean, the middle. And to me, it is finding the middle, finding balance, finding the equilibrium between the poles. So I don't think it's necessarily all about going from the negative to the positive, rather than having the ability to see it both clearly and by seeing it, by accepting it, moving towards the towards the mean and towards the middle and that's where we might find meaning mm. that's very beautifully how you put it i i can i can really agree on that because i think by finding the middle and finding the balance and by accept, accepting mm. and the negative and the good and it's only our mind that puts it either on one scale or another side of the scale. Mm. And by accepting, we can really go into surrendering and feeling peace. Mm. And then it's, yeah, I think it is the meaning of life. And maybe uh, meaning and purpose, it's like, it's trying to like, be something like very very big and then as you said we're trying to imagine that it is something we need to mm. achieve throughout our life and maybe it's more what we need to be mm-hmm. you you also wrote that you're doing nuatai body work yeah like i'm not gonna google it i'm gonna just ask you what it is because i have never heard about it yeah okay so um, it, it's a massage technique coming from Northern Thailand. And the basic idea is to restore mobility of body and mind through different, uh, different techniques, through shaking, through rocking, through deep stretches. That's, that's basically it. And the, the underlying energies of that, and I find it's very, very, very important, is metta which is loving kindness kindness and which is being very 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 present and i can't emphasize this enough because it's not about just being a robot and doing the perfect technique it's about connecting with the person through touch through very very mindful touch and then just doing whatever the present moment asks and uh, to make this a little more a little more tangible it might be that you have you have the idea that mm, in classical massage we do the left side of the body and then people do the right side of the body that's how it's very often done and sometimes when i'm 
when I would work on, for example, the right foot, I, I really can't explain why, but sometimes there is this intuitive impulse to all of a sudden work on the left shoulder or to touch another part, uh, another part of the body. And this stuff happens um, wearing clothes, so there's no, uh, no, no oil in, or anything involved. So giving yourself the freedom to trust whatever comes up to follow it, I think that's quite, quite unique in the practice. And the basic idea is that our body mostly consists of water. Water is considered the, the element of the soul. And through the, the rocking and the shaking and the applying of the pressure, we are somehow steering up the soul a little bit. And, and through that, unclogging the clogged energy pipes in the body, which then can have a very um, calming effect on the nervous system. It can have a very clearing effect on the mind. And I say it can because it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. One of the main principles is no expectations. We don't have any expectations and you never know, you never know what's, what's going to happen. And I think this is what uh, messes up with Westerners, people's brains a lot, because we always want to know, right? We always, you have a pain in your shoulder and you expect that shoulder pain to disappear after you got the treatment. And in many cases it is because these techniques can be, can be very helpful and powerful. But the moment we restrict ourselves to I want to get rid of my shoulder pain. In that moment, we don't give ourselves permission to receive other, other insights that our body might store that could come up through, uh, through the treatment. No, that's a thought. That's very interesting. Uh, like, I'm, I'm very interested in the Chinese medicine, which mm -hmm. is also like more holistic approach. Yeah. And seeing, as you said, like, for example, the shoulder pain as not what it is, just the pain in the shoulder, mm. but like more observing where it could be coming from down from the root. Mm. And that thought that not being on, concentrated on the end result and on the thing that you came to thinking that you came to resolve, right, mm. can open you up to other insights that's very very interesting and that's i find it very true i find it very true yeah and it i i, I think we're circling back to what i said earlier that it it triggers a little bit more the energy of curiosity because if you say sign up for such a treatment and you are of you know you know we have our physical mm, situations or pains then we have our mental pains and we, we carry all of that, right? And when we sign up for something like this, just playing with the idea that, hey, let's just, let's just do it for the sake of doing it. Let's just experience it for the sake of experiencing it. Let's shine light on that I have so many expectations in my entire life. And even in a moment where I could give myself some relaxation, I'm expecting the relaxation. So I'm again, cutting myself from, from what is possible. And I think that very much triggers this energy of curiosity, which I believe is, uh, 
very very nice um, nice energy to uh, to live with i guess yeah it is very interesting because as you said like when we are trying to seek something it's like the the result mm. the exact result it's kind of nice because it gives clarity to our minds but it can only also very um, limit our point of view and our point of experience because then we are just trying to gain that experience and nothing else and we can also be uh, unhappy because we didn't get get the exact experience yeah <laughs> we got so many other things but we didn't see those mm, mm, yeah mm. I think That's our first yeah. yeah, I think our first uh, connection point and conversation was about it, uh, because I asked you how much do you think we need to have a plan and goals and mm. set it up, and how much do we need to be just open for the exploration mm. and just go out there and see what's coming at us. To ask you this question again, like how much do you think? You need to have plans to have structure and how much it is about trusting and listening yeah. to your heart. In general, I think the more you trust, the less you need to plan. I think that can be that can be a general rule. And I, I like it because it shines light on the level of trust towards yourself, the level of trust towards towards your, you know, the universe or whatever you want to call it, God, um, spirits, insert, whatever, whatever suits you. In terms of a, of a ratio or something, I have literally, I have no clue. And being very transparent here, this is something that I'm re really playing and experimenting with. And I don't have any, I'm not in a position to give, to give, say, grounded advice because you know i try to i try to make a lot of plans and all i know is that most of the time these plans they didn't really they didn't really work out with the feeling of ease a lot a lot of times they worked out but there mm. was always this mm, kind of forced I, how can i describe it yeah it was a little bit forced and uh, it always felt like it's not enough so mm. You, you achieve something. For example, I remember when I, now circling back to before I, I before my corporate uh, my, my corporate career, I was I actually wanted to study journalism because I loved to write all the time and I loved people's stories. So a little bit, you know, these things they they come back all the time if they're supposed to come back. I feel, but I never really know what what to do. And then I studied economics just for the sake of studying economics. It was very very easy to get in. Um, actually, you just needed to, to sign up. Um, and then I said to myself, okay, you, you like football, because I used to uh, be a goalkeeper for, for almost 10 years. And then I just said to myself something very powerful. I said to myself, okay, one day you will work with one of the big sports brands. So I kind of implanted this thought in my head, which was maybe 50% goal and 50% intention. And only a couple of years later, I actually ended up there. So I don't think there is there is anything wrong with being clear on, say, I want to become a journalist or I want to do this. 
but I, I back then was not very aware of how does that actually feel. Mm. So I just loved the brand, but I didn't ask myself, how does it feel to work with that brand, for example? And that can be, I think, when we're setting goals, as another maybe rule of thumb, that can be a very, very good idea to check in with how do how do I actually feel if I have this, especially the, this materialistic goal, you know, more money or another flat or whatever. How does it feel if I'm going to have what I'm thinking about and setting the goals yeah. to achieve, right? Yeah. And how does it really feel? Because sometimes people have dif difficulty mm, describing that. And I think it's because we are so very often so restless and rushing. How does it really feel inside my body? And in order to do that, I need to let everything else be. And in order to do that, I need to stand still for a moment. Mm. Imagine how it feels to achieve, I don't know, in my case, how it feels to be a journalist. What do you do there? Who do you meet? And how does it feel in your body? Are there parts of your body that are very active? Is the heart, is the heartbeat changing? Is the breath changing? These things are very, very important because then we are future pacing what, what we want to achieve and we bring it into the now because ultimately there is only the now. And by feeling and by embodying what we, what we wish to, to achieve, we can very much, I think, very, very accurately check in if this is uh, something that is really, is really joyful or in many cases, if there is still this energy of, I need to do more, I need to achieve, I need to, I need to push. And I think that this, we don't need to do anything really. And whenever there is this notion of, I need to do more or I need to do this, then it's, um, I think it's egoic structures talking to us and we can check in with our body again and say, hey, what would be uh, a dream or an, or an imagination that brings a bit more calm and ease and, and peace to me? Because so many people are deep down looking for this, this thing called inner peace or inner abundance or freedom. It's, uh, it's incredible. Yeah, we got back to the simplest exercise that is so hard for many of us to do, to go back to silence and mm -hmm. to check in with yourself. And what helped you the most? Because you said when you were describing the massage, that you're really listening to your intuition, mm -hmm. what to do next? What helped you to tune in with your intuition more? The helicopter view. Mm. So really seeing yourself while you're doing the things. So you would see yourself listening to me in this moment. I can see myself talking while I'm talking in that moment. And that creates a lot of distance. And that distance enables for... The distance creates a space for the immediate recognition that... The, that is not based on thinking to come up. And the way I see is intuition is more of a 
of, uh, of something that gives can give direction, but it needs a space. So in, in my understanding, what helped me a lot to create that space is activating the helicopter view, is activating that uh, mindfulness and observation muscle, and then how you can activate it by training. So doing either informal training, which is just in moments of, of uh, high, high level of uh, wokeness, just know, just know what you're doing in the moment. And uh, formal practice is then, for me, it's meditation or Vipassana meditation to be more concrete. Yeah, and I think as you just described, just allowing yourself to observe yourself in this very moment from a distance. Yeah. Because I think like the mindfulness for me, how I would describe it, it is having the space and the mind because space allows us to create. Mm. And if there's no space, if it's like just like full of whatever it is, mm. then there's no space for something to emerge. That's like how I see it. Yeah. That reminds me a little bit of how, how the Buddhists see it. They figured the, or I think the Buddha figured the four, foundation, four foundations of, of mindfulness, which is body. So you know you have a body. Um, feelings. To, I like to put it very simple. Happy, unhappy, neutral. Then mind, we can see the mind. Is it thinking? Is it judging? Is it planning? Is it analyzing? And then what is what the Buddhists call mind objects, which I find found very, very difficult to comprehend in the beginning. But it's a little bit easier when we think of the things that are preventing us from, from freedom and that are causing a lot of suffering, which is all the, all the things that come up like anger, greed, the very strong desire that we have many, many, many times. And when we realize that we can see all of this, we ultimately understand that we are not these things. So you are not your body. You are not the feelings. You are not the mind. You are not the anger. You are the awareness that holds all of this. So ultimately, you are, of course, you are all of this, but you are not what many people struggle with, you are not the negative thought. Mm. Yeah, and it's funny that sometimes it's hard to recognize that. Oh, and yeah. that's when then, when then I get like <laughs> lost in myself and others too, because like, yeah, no matter how much, as you said, I'm learning about these things and I'm embodying them, I'm still a human and mm. I'm having a human experience in this human body. <laughs> And I find it really interesting when you say, and I do this also many, I said this many times, oh, I'm so lost in myself. But when you, again, when you like hold still for a moment, when you ask yourself, okay, where, where can I actually get lost? So mm. where, where is this? What is this space? And uh, can I actually get lost in myself? So, so what does it mean? Is it something real or is it a story that I'm telling myself? And everyone can just, I will not answer it because it's a, everyone might have a different answer. It's not about me telling uh, all the all the cool things I know and everyone else is like, oh, 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 oh that's, so, that's so right. It's absolutely not about that. I really love to not to know a lot. 
Mm, but it's good to be curious on to be to be curious and really inquire what are the stories that arise within us that all of a sudden we believe to be true. It was very nice to chat with you. I really appreciate your time and this conversation that we had. Uh, where people could find you? So uh, people can find me on, on Instagram under Chris underline T-I-A-N underline Fleck. They can find me soon on christianfleck.com and on LinkedIn under Christian Fleck. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure having you here. Thanks a lot, Esel. My pleasure too.